Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Battleground! This is a pro wrestling podcast with a hint of pop culture. Join Battle and Eli as they break down the world of professional wrestling. You never know who's going to stop by. Now, making their way to the microphones, give it up for the greatest podcast tag team in the world, Battle and Eli! So, uh, it's Friday, which you know what that means, right? Uh, It is interview day on the Battleground Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about wrestling. I am your host, Battle, along with my tag team partner, this is Eli. Yo, it is Friday. What's up? Um, this is an exciting show because this is something that has kind of been in the works for the past several months. We went to uh, an event that was in town. Um, was it at the Star Palace? Was that the place? Was that, or Nashville Palace? The Nashville Palace. Nashville Palace. And Cody Rhodes was there doing a cigar thing. And then this was kind of before AEW started kind of being AEW, yeah, correct? they had announced it, but they had it. Um, I think it was in April, so I think it was before Double or Nothing. So we uh, had a conversation, talk with Cody about wanting to get him on the podcast, and then of course some things happened, and there was uh, they had to make some big announcements and signings and belts mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Yeah, but just build a company from the ground up. Build a company from the ground up. So it's like, yeah, we're not going to worry about the podcast at the moment, yeah, right? No big deal. No big deal. But. I gotta say, like this is gonna be the biggest show of the year for us right now. I'm trying not to mark out because we have wrestling royalty on the phone with us. We'll just say the man, the myth, the legend, Cody Rhodes is on the phone, man. What's going on? Not a whole lot. Before before we came on the air, I had soft pitched you guys my mascot character, and I wanna I wanna re I wanna re up on it. I want your audience to tell me how they feel about a giant dinosaur mascot with dynamite on his head or back and we call it Dino Mike. I'm telling you, I like you to test your audience on it. Like we said earlier, I will be the first person to pre order this as soon as I see that pop up in my Instagram feed when AEW posts it up. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> um so the, the kind of the, the the main objective of this this uh, interview, you know, we definitely want to talk about the present stuff. You know, we don't really want to hark on, you know, your past stuff, which you've never really shot away from. But, you know, this is a really exciting time for your, you know, your career personally, what you're creating around you. I mean, it's really, really awesome. Uh, one thing to kind of start with that, though, um, a lot's changed in five years, obviously. Uh, so, you know, just to take it back for a minute, 2014, uh, you were in the midst of the Stardust run. You know, it was about two years before you left WWE. Do you remember what your goals and ambitions were at that time uh, compared, obviously, to where you are now? I think because, and this may sound strange, but I think because I had saved my, my money uh, during the time of WWE, it was really a goal of, like mental happiness. It wasn't necessarily a goal of, of, uh, I need to make X amount or I need to get a contract elsewhere or, or grow my brand. It was genuinely, I just wanted some mental happiness. My father had passed away, I think the year prior, you know, a few months prior. And you have those real life, uh, issues. I didn't want to have issues at work. I didn't want to really play politics anymore. It all seemed rather, superficial and that the main objective at that point was to get out and do what makes me happy and what made me happy was what i ultimately would go do which was get a run of indies under my belt 
uh, cherry pick the best independents, uh, be able to design my own merchandise, do some shows I you know never thought I'd be part of, like Wrestle Kingdom, uh, things of that nature, and it ended up being very rewarding for many reasons. Um, kind of kind of piggybacking off that, you know, your your dad is considered one of the greatest minds in professional wrestling history. Um, and now since you've kind of, I mean, you're starting a company from the ground up. I mean, have you always been creative? I mean, were you always, you know, making things when you were a kid or were you just, uh, you know, just an athlete and then this kind of bug hits you later in life? Like how, how, what's your creative, you know, process? Has it always been Bro. a little bit of both? Bro, did you not hear the dinosaur bit? I mean, I'm <laughs> floored. I mean, that's gold really. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I actually think I did have a little bit of a creative bone. I think it's one of the things that I shared in common with my dad because I didn't get the the curly hair. Uh, I didn't get really any of his athleticism. I kind of had to work for, for everything really hard when it came to athletics and learning in the ring, whereas Dustin picked it right up. I was, I mean, I'm still a slow learner. I am 34 years old heading into the best matches and time in my career, but I've been doing this on TV since I was 20. So I'm a slow learner on the physical side of our industry, but I always did have a creative link to Dusty, and I'm glad I'm able to kind of express it and, and get that bone working. Our guest on the phone with us right now, Cody Rhodes, is is hanging out with us. As you all know, AEW is coming to Nashville in November, and of course, we'll have some information for you on that. Um, you know, kind of just sticking with a little bit in the past for just a second. You know, I'm sure there were frustrations throughout the end of the run, and you could kind of tell on like on screen and maybe on social media. But when did you like know without a shadow of a doubt it was time to uh, you know leave the big company? And was there one defining moment, or was it just all the factors kind of hitting over time that you're just like, I'm done? Well, it's kind of like a myriad of factors, but there were two particular moments. One that I've never really shared with people because it's such a, sounds like such a silly thing, but it was important to me. Uh, and then one, which I, you know, wrote about and publicized in my statement when I left the company about being in, you know, Greensboro in the same locker room that Rick and Dusty and Horn had gotten ready for Starcade in and having been putting on the Stardust suit, just feeling so disconnected from it all. But there was also a moment where the Royal Rumble where AJ Styles debuted. Uh, I was, you know, you always want to maximize your minutes, as Jim Ross would say, and you always want to get the most out of your you know, spot. And I was really doing a lot with various talents and had a bunch of cool creative stuff going on in the ring. And they actually shot away from my interest. And that's like your, you know, 90 seconds to shine when it comes to the Rumble. Yeah. They shot away from my entrance to shoot some sort of uh, scuffle that was happening on the floor. I think it involved Bray Wyatt. And it was just kind of a sobering reminder that at the time, the Stardust character had become completely expendable and collapsible. And I, I'm not putting any blame on them in that regard. It was just a fact at the time that it was not super valuable. And, and that was a big one because I watched the show back. I watched the Rumble back. I, I always watch every pay-per-view back, and it was a, a kind of a big buzzkill for me. But it was it was all stuff I needed. I needed to know that I needed to leave. I needed to know that I needed to work harder, all that stuff. And uh, it, was, it was the right kick in the ass for me at the right time. Right. So, I mean, basically, if you were 
if you had that top spot at the at that time, we probably wouldn't be having the same conversation right now, right? Yeah, if we were in, you know, and I, I know I'm sure you understand how the multiverse works, different realities vibrating on different frequencies. If there was one where I was the top individual in WWE, then there there likely wouldn't even be an AEW at this moment. Or maybe the Bucks and Tony would have got the AEW in a different way. Mm-hmm. But the good thing the good thing is that it happened the way it happened, where I took my loss. I took that L and turned it around into the situation we're in now. And I'm I mean I'm excited to be coming to Nashville. Yes. The city, you know, rich with wrestling. Yeah. Well, I like the little connection to the the multiverse since you're on Arrow and all that. That was a good good connection there. Um, there you go. <laughs> um, so you know, I don't remember exactly. You know, it it felt like to me that it was almost immediately after um, you announced you were leaving WWE that you were um, kind of paired up with Impact, and you know, I started seeing the vignettes, you know, pretty regularly, and um, yeah. You know, you you did hit the indies. Um, you you wrestled in East Tennessee. I know a bunch of times. Well, not a bunch of times, but I know you and Matt Cross. You know, did some matches up there. But the big thing, it just seemed like, okay, Cody's gone. He's going to Impact. That seemed like the natural conclusion. And you did some stuff with him, but it was only like a five or six month thing. Was that always the plan, or was it one? Of, it was more of like a handshake agreement, and then just as things evolved, you went into other things. I I have no uh, ill feelings towards Impact, but I I wish they had never said. I remember they put out a post saying I had like signed because that's that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Over the course of the months that you saw me on Impact, I actually only did two days, which ended up being seven shows. But I only did two days. Gotcha. Uh, And the only reason uh, I did it was I wanted uh, Brandy was really interested in wrestling mike and maria which was so much fun i'm mm-hmm. glad we got to do it because i think they're i think they're great people uh and i actually really liked the production and everyone was nice but at the time they were going through management changes and i was i was not settling anywhere i wasn't settling down so it's kind of a misleading uh thing which is you know we can say it's my fault but i enjoy, i enjoyed the time uh, but it was much more rewarding to be out there on these independent levels because um, I went everywhere mm-hmm. because you're able to actually do these meet and greets, which are as important to the show as the actual matches where you can reach across the table and meet the people that for years and years and years, in my case, 10 years, I hadn't been able to genuinely interact with and learn what they liked, what they didn't like, and uh, perhaps what I could do to make them uh, fans as we uh, roll into the future. Yeah, and you mentioned the whole meet and greet aspect, and like you know, growing up, I was the the big wrestling fan, so it was at Bridgestone and Ispen, all this other stuff. You never had the option to like go before the match and meet your favorite wrestler. It was you had to kind of wait out back to where the buses were, or the trucks, and hope to get a glimpse of you know your favorite wrestler. Just I mean, hopes, but I mean, now it's like. When we did the the thing a couple months back with the cigar thing, like me, you, and Eli, we kind of just sat there and just talked for a little bit and getting to hang out, and that's something you don't see uh, back in the day. But now it's it's a new thing for everything, and it's it's an awesome moment. Yeah, the something that ROH does really really well is their uh, meet and greet system, and it was something I loved so much. It's actually how I really got to know Matt and Nick because one of my character. One of the things that I feel like I can always judge someone's character pretty fairly 
is by how they handle a meet and greet, how they handle an interaction with a fan or uh, even a critic. And Matt and Nick handle it so beautifully. And that's something we really bonded over. I know with with AEW, we've got a great chief merchandising and marketing officer, Dana Massey, who shares the same. She wants the same thing. She wants us to be able to continue to meet and greet and, and, and give you our best stuff with them. And that's always a great conversation. And almost everyone who's on top in this current AEW world is somebody who's saying, oh, I'll be there for that 100%. Right. And, you know, you kind of you mentioned Ring of Honor, and you were a part of Ring of Honor for a little over two years. Um, when did the discussion about you becoming world champ happen? Like, what did it mean to hold that belt? Uh, I, I got the opportunity to, and the belt itself, the physical belt, that's the best manifestation of the Ring of Honor belt. Uh, it was my wife's birthday. It was in Lowell, Mass. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever been decreed the actual world champion by a major company, and I got to wrestle Christopher Daniels. So, I, I mean, perfect storm, culmination of, of, of wonderful events that led to it. I, I think they had started that conversation unbeknownst to me uh, around the time I came in for final battle with Jay Lethal, just because sometimes it's best to go with the momentum and the path of least resistance. And I had a lot of fan sentiment. I had a lot of fans who were jumping on board with me and they, they uh, struck, they struck with that. Christopher Daniels, I'm sure made that call uh, being such kind of an honorable and, and old school style wrestler. So I was, I was honored to have it. I treated it like gold. I I was I was sad when I lost it. I was sad that I didn't get to physically wear the new belt. I carried it to the ring in Hammerstein Ballroom, but never actually put it around my waist. Um, and Dalton Castle, that's the night he won the title. But yeah, that was a really special. I mean, I I say like yeah, it was really special. It was really cool. But I mean, to a wrestler, being the world champion is everything. So right. I, 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 it's no, it's not lost on me how important it was. You know, and one cool thing that I kind of took away from that is you uh, did uh, something different with a championship. It wasn't a belt. You had the ring. Where did, I guess, that idea come from? Because you don't really see that very often. Well, the ring is a great case of a, a character idea that slightly backfires. I thought it would be incredibly condescending and, and rude and all these things, uh, you know, nefarious to ask people to kiss my ring. But it's not unlike when I was putting paper bags on people's faces. People <laughs> liked it. Yeah. Uh, so I had a lot of, a lot of people enjoyed it, and it was just a lot of pomp and circumstance. The bell-to-bell action, which is so important, especially with Ring of Honor, I think when people saw me, they got kind of a relief from that. You're going to see some of the best wrestling in the world. You're at a Ring of Honor show. But when I... When I would come out, I, I think I provided a little bit more, a little bit more sizzle, a little bit more, you know, Shakespeare. And the ring was a way of doing that. Now I'll tell you, I, I still don't have the ring because I gave it to Nick all this part of the all-in arrangement, and oh, the son yeah. of a gun literally either lost it or just doesn't want to tell me uh, where it is. But yeah, he never gave it back to me. You know, I think he, he lost it. Doesn't want to say anything. He is in Nashville now, and of course, you're going to be in Nashville in November. So yeah. we could maybe organize a peace yeah, treaty. He needs to. He needs to bring that sucker to the building, man. No joke. I like Nick. He's a sweet guy. <laughs> Stud athlete. Um, 
Yeah, I was uh, I was at the Ring of Honor show, the TV tapings last year in Nashville, and you had it. And there was actually some some guy beside me that had made his own little homemade one. So when you came out, he's like, "Yeah." So yeah, I think I I can kind of see how you're you know kind of getting that regal and you know bow, bow down and kiss the ring. But people were like, "Oh, this is awesome." So. <laughs> um, any, any bit of interaction is a wonderful thing as a talent and as a fan. So. I, I love doing it. Nice. Um, the other big thing you've done post WWE and then I guess pre AEW was your you know your time with New Japan. Uh, you actually won the uh, IWGP US title. Um, obviously had a very successful run over there. Um, at one time, I think you had that and the NWA World Title at the same time. So you were obviously just racking them up. Um, what was it? What was your experience like working in Japan? And was that something you'd always wanted to do, or was that just kind of like a new goal post? WWE. I had always uh, wanted to go and actually watch New Japan. I, I had not really considered working there at the time I was with, with WWE and I was a WWE guy. I just wanted to watch because I had such good memories as a child from when my dad would go over and talk about the, you know, the mini Coke cans or the just amount of respect or the young lion. The culture is it's completely different, and it's it's different in such a positive way. Uh, the the respect that fans have, and the way the industry is seen and perceived, is different. So it's very challenging to go over as as a wrestler and adapt to that, or provide them something new to look at. And, and it was just an amazing experience. Ever I, I the New Japan shows I was part of. I wish I could all always done more, but. I came in at kind of more of a drop-in case to be the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion, uh, the biggest belt, physically biggest belt, until I saw the AEW world title that I uh, ever had my hands on. Damn, just uh, time flies, man. There was a point where I was holding 10 pounds of gold and that belt, and it just felt like it wasn't going to end. There was a collection going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I loved it. A A lot of respect for what New Japan's been able to accomplish as far as being the number one brand in Japan and and their expansion here into the West. Yeah, um, you you mentioned uh, Nick Aldis earlier, and um, I was at uh, All In last year, and um, your match with him was my match of the year. Um, I mean, just the match itself, the build-up, how it kind of felt like a – you know, I think you might have said it, or I've just read it somewhere in the press about it. it was almost like an old school heavyweight boxing match, and just the build up. I mean, it was, I mean, probably as close to a perfect build as you can get, in my opinion, that I've seen in probably you know twenty, thirty years. Um, how did how did that match come to be um, included in all at the All In card? Um, you know, when did you know you were actually going to go over? And then, of course, obviously, what did it mean to hold the same belt that, that Dusty did? Well, I, that was something that kind of came in the process of me, Matt, and Nick going over the idea of what does All In look like? You know, what what does it really look like? And who could wrestle who? And when you have the when you have all the cards. You know, we had the ability to source from Ring of Honor, from New Japan Pro Wrestling, from every independent under the sun. We were really creating our own our own show for the first time ever. So all the toys, the sandbox, it just kind of was a combination of I thought it was a good idea, 
And then I saw 10 Pounds of Gold, the series uh, that Dave Lagana produces, and I, I knew then it was a good idea. Um, yeah, the NWA title is a great hook, and it's a great gimmick to add to a wrestling show, but it means even more for me. It almost felt serendipitous. Nick Aldis said that about All In, and he was very right. Everything felt serendipitous that that I should, I would be wrestling for the NWA World Title, a title that I thought I'd never even physically see, mm-hmm. and here it is back in circulation to be one of the first father-son world champions or NWA champions ever. Uh, it just seemed like it was too good to be true. Plus, it was a match that I wanted to I wanted to diversify the whole card, and it was a very different uh, old school heavyweight style match, mm-hmm. uh, which was challenging for me to do and but vastly different from the rest of the card so i was i was i was all in on the nwa very early on in the process of it and i was glad it was the very first match announced do you remember what was going through your mind um i mean as soon as the bell hit you and him kind of had a stare off and then it was just an a, a sea of of noise just clapping i mean i it's one of those you know you always you know people kind of equate it to you're, you're always looking for that wrestlemania moment and you know when when those things hit i mean that to me that was the that, moment of that call yeah. it was i know that when we went to kind of post-produce 10 pounds of gold i made sure that they captured the beginning of that match as you're saying and let people just hear it let mm. people feel it it wasn't anything that I was expecting. You always want to go in thinking, oh, they'll be into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're there for this. I wasn't expecting it, uh, but I was I was very aware. And I had been doing this long enough, and I've been in enough high-profile uh, matches and situations like a mania or even high-profile angles and scenarios with a Monday Night Raw. I knew enough in my mind to let, let it sit because you're not going to get this every week. You can be as cocky as hell, but in your heart, you know you're not going to get this every week. You may never get it again. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to I wanted to take it in, and Nick was and yeah, being able to look into his eyes and to feel his his sense of, wow, there's a, there's a weight here. There's a weight to this. That's the biggest reward for a pro wrestler is the actual response to the fans. I love critical reviews, and I'm not critical of them. But but nothing matters more than the actual review in the house, the noise in the building, as Tully Blanchard said, loudest the longest. Yeah, it was it was goosebumps. I mean, I can't even. It's hard to explain to people how loud it was when that hit. I mean, it was it was probably one of the coolest you know things I've seen at a live wrestling event. It was it was awesome. You know, I'm glad you liked it, man. It, it's such an awesome thing to just see it's a great time to be a wrestling fan right now because there's so many options to choose from. But I want to know this. like, Was All In the moment AEW came to fruition? And if not, when did the idea officially come about saying, okay, this is it, let's go? It wasn't All In because at All In, when it was over and we had kind of been validated, you know, we had made big claims that there was a market out there for us and people said there wasn't. We proved them wrong. It was when All In was over. It was more about let's do a sequel. Let's go double or nothing. Let's do a sequel to this show, and how we do it, we'll figure out later. It wasn't until Tony Khan entered the scene, and I mean, it just takes a quick Google on Tony to understand the level of professional and the, the acumen he has in the business and sports world. 
So when Matt took that first call from Tony, it changed things very much, and it just happened to be the perfect storm of free agency. Everyone's contracts ending uh, on January 1st, everyone's contracts, uh, just there hasn't been anything like this in a while, or, or maybe ever. And there were so many people convinced, oh, well, they'll just go to WWE. They're all going to go to WWE, myself included. And when this was presented to us, the big thing that we wanted to know is, well, we'll be able to shape this. Will this, be, will this be our vision like All In was, or will this just be taking a check? And uh, Tony Khan has been an absolute star in terms of letting us shape this to our vision, uh, add uh, his knowledge to it all, as a massive super fan and and kind of just overall sport genius. Uh, and that's that's where we ended up. Once once those January free agency rolled rolled about and we saw how the storm was brewing and that that was right then when we realized that as a company it was very real. And even today, you know, days like today where dynamite the name dynamite is, you know, put out there for the universe and things of that nature, every day there's something more that makes you go, Man, this is real. This is actually happening and it's a good time. There's never going to be a first, uh, you know, uh, or another first. Like we're heading into October second with AEW Dynamite on TNT. So I, I want to sit back and enjoy it all. Right, and we're kind of, you know, kind of. Let's fast forward to we're going to the opening night. TV taping, and there was an announcement that happened uh, on social media about the next pay-per-view. It's going to be you and Jericho for the title, and of course, a lot of people on social media started flipping out because it was like, you know, they thought different things, but you've since came back and said, you know, things could change between now and then, and, you know, Sammy could beat you, and it could be Sammy versus Jericho. What do you say to fans who are worried that this could end up being like WCW in 97 with like the Outsiders and Hogan running the show behind the scenes? WCW in 97 was pretty good, man. Wasn't <laughs> that's, it? that's true. I, I mean, I, I may be wrong on my years. No, but I, uh, I don't think the business of the business is as entertaining as the actual show presented in front of me. A lot of, right now, all, I totally don't mind it. I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I understand it. Is when people discuss the business of the business, oh, well, their EVP is and this and that. But once the show starts, that's what we want to be judged for. We want to be judged for the picture we're painting. And I get in this process, there's no prerequisite other than the pay-per-views we've done to compare to. But Dynamite is unlike anything that's currently on TV wrestling-wise. So it's there is nothing comparable uh, other than the fact that there's a ring in the center of an arena. Uh, so I don't, I don't mind it. I understand where it comes from. Uh, but I think we have enough self-awareness amongst the group. There's not a delusional one amongst the, the core that is putting this together. Uh, check and balance ourselves as we move forward. Uh, that's what we owe to the audience. Some people have waited 18, 20 years for this alternative product. Uh, we, can't, we can't let egos or our ambition uh, eat that alive. Right. So, so the picture is the main objective, not individual egos and stuff. Yeah, no, I think I think once the show starts its way, I'd rather people tell me, hey, I didn't like this match or I love this match versus the concerns behind the business of the business. That's, that's not, I don't know, that's not how I am as a fan. I have no interest in all the behind-the-scenes elements of 
the modern Star Wars movies, for example. I go see the movies, and if they're really good, I tweet, this was a really good movie. If it wasn't, it wasn't. You know, like, I just, the business of the business is going to be very entertaining for a very long time unless you present them more entertaining product, and that's our job. Right. Well, this will uh, this will kind of circle back to the first question. Um, you know, we talked about y- your goals and where you were five years ago. Uh, where do you see yourself in AEW five years from now? A White House. There you go. I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be the president five years. Uh, five years from now, I I honestly would say I would hope that Dynamite has really cemented itself as a staple. Uh, in, in everybody's TV lineup. I would hope that the big four pay-per-views, uh, well, we only have three at this point, but ultimately the big four pay-per-views really stand out as a as a come-together event for fans and friends and families alike. And I, I would hope that uh, the revenue for the industry is up all around because, like they say about the rising tide, this means a lot, obviously, to wrestle. It means a lot to wrestling fans. It means a lot to wrestlers to know that you can raise the pay floor, uh, that you can provide a better quality of life for wrestlers. It's going to only create a, a better product. So one of the biggest mission pieces we have here is to provide better quality life for our wrestlers. With one show a week, that, that should be very easy and very uh, something we hope to accomplish. So I hope AEW Dynamite it's a big picture of everyone's TV schedule. Nice, and, and I mean, it's kind of hard to predict this, obviously. But do you have uh, do you have an end goal for your, when you're going to stop wrestling and just go more behind the scenes, or is it more of a uh, you know you'll just play it by ear? I have said uh, for many years that I was going to stop bell to bell wrestling around forty, mm-hmm. and uh, that would that would leave me you know, a little shy of six years to get where I'd like to get, and I might need a little bit more time. Uh, so who knows? Uh, if I continue to train and, and do the work, maybe I can compete past 40, but right now, uh, 40 is still kind of the end goal for me as a pro wrestler. I do got to say that it's literally an honor to have you on the phone with us right now, and I know uh, your time is precious, so we're going to kind of wrap it up at the moment. But uh, Nashville, AEW, we've been asking for it every time when you would say, hey, when's, where should AEW come next? And every time I would comment Nashville, and you literally answered my prayers, we are super pumped for AEW to be in Nashville. Well, very, very excited. It's going to be a great show. It's in a historic building, and it's Nashville, man. Nobody knows wrestling like like Tennessee. So I'm looking forward to being there again. Looking forward to it very much. Awesome. And we're looking forward to it. And uh, the studio door is wide open. So uh, come November when you're in Nashville, anybody and everybody on the roster is welcome to come in. And Awesome. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, sir. And uh, we'll see you in November. See you then. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Battleground. Make sure you give it five stars and leave a nice review. If you want to stay up to date, follow them at Battleground Podcast on Instagram.